Join us now for the Jackson Nash Mysteries, written by Beth Milligan, where Jackson finds himself stirred up by memories of the past. Take a walk with Jackson in Episode 2 as he investigates the mystery of the Blue Blanket. July 25th, 1990, Asheville. Dear Kevin, ever since I became a letter carrier, I seem to have become an amateur detective as well. Last week I found myself caught up in another mystery. There are many weird people in this world. Who knows so many of them lived right here in Asheville? Take Julia O'Neill, for example. She entered a pie-eating contest but refused to eat any pie. Or John Douglas, who crouches at the edge of his lawn and trims it with scissors. I see him every morning on my route. Or the weirdest of all, the woman with the blue blanket. Hey, Liz. It's the man of the hour. Oh, come on. Is that a new cologne? Yeah. You like it? It's all right. I, uh, had a good time bowling. So did I. We should do something like that again sometime. Yeah, sure. Just let me know where and when. Yeah, sure. There's a great deli down the street from my house. Maybe we could go for a coffee and, uh, panini? They have smoked meat, roast beef, turkey, ham, salami, caprese, cheddar, provolone, vegan, vegetarian. You can get a side of spicy eggplant. It's really rather good. Okay, okay. I'm in. Good. So I know where. Now when? Say, Friday? After work. Sure. It's a date. A date? Yeah. A date. I started off as usual, collecting my letters and parcels from the Dropbox at Emma and Bloom, and then headed down Bloom past the arena. My first stop was at Miss McDonald's house. Her petunias looked well cared for, and I could see she'd been busy trimming the hedges. I rang the doorbell and handed her a parcel, and we had a long chat about her darts league. She said she was disappointed to hear about Gordon. Gordon was her neighbor. He'd been a letter carrier until he got fired. He had a rage against other letter carriers. Eventually, he killed one. He left his body in my drop box. It was my first day on the job. Unwittingly, I almost became his next victim. I was a poor judge of character, I guess. I thought he was such a nice boy. Wasn't I mistaken? Me too, Miss McDonald. Me too. I rounded the corner on Prince, past the boy playing hopscotch while his father watched from the porch. I waved and carried on my way. Reluctantly, I delivered a parcel to the Parkers on Duke. Keith Parker had been wrongly accused of Steve DuPont's murder. His wife Anna was deep in mourning. She was having an affair with Steve before he was murdered. I buzzed, but there was no answer. I was pleased they weren't home. It didn't require a signature, so I left the parcel on the porch. I continued down Duke towards the shopping center, and then I saw Bug. I mean, Police Inspector Wesley. I call her Bug. She's my cousin. She was standing by her squad car with a woman who was acting hysterically. She was sobbing at the top of her lungs. How can I let this happen? How? How can I let this happen? I was only gone for a minute. I was confused. Who was this woman? What had upset her? I made a mental note to quiz Bug when I saw her. Hey there, squirrel. Please don't call me that. Well, what should I call you? (laughs) Jackson. How about Tiger? I like Tiger. You're always on the prowl delivering parcels. There you go. 
Hey, I've got a couple of leftover parcels for you. Thanks. What's wrong? You look kind of perturbed. I just saw a bug with a woman who was acting hysterically. It made me think of the time when I was three, maybe four. I was in one of those big box store parking lots, and I looked around and suddenly my mother was gone. It was a terrifying feeling, and the thing I remember most was how hysterical my mom was when she found me. That woman today, she seemed just like my mother. A pang of desperation I showed in her eyes. Are you going to play detective again? I just might. I headed back down Duke to the shopping center. It was crawling with cops. Someone was dusting the windshield of a blue Pontiac minivan for fingerprints. Bug was chatting to a tall man with a mustache. She introduced me to Inspector Gildon. He was the lead detective. They gave me the rundown. We got a call around 11.30 that a baby had gone missing from a vehicle in this parking lot. The mother had been loading groceries in the trunk. She said for less than five minutes, and when she was done, the baby was gone. She contacted us immediately. Didn't she hear anything? Apparently she had the radio on. Uh, there are speakers in the back. and We searched the grounds thoroughly, and we didn't find a thing. Well, actually, we found tire tracks from a stroller wheel. We think the baby may have been taken by stroller. Do you have a picture of the baby? Bug handed me a Sears department store portrait of the woman I'd seen acting hysterically. She was smiling and holding a baby with curly locks of red hair, wrapped in a blue blanket. Maybe, Jackson, you could keep an eye out for any strollers along your route. I can do that. What I didn't tell Bug was that I'd planned to come back and scour the place once the coast was clear. How's your sandwich? Chewy. <laughs> so, what did you find, Mr. Detective? <clears throat> well, the Asheville Police Department did a pretty good sweep. But they missed one thing. A pair of bright red eyeglasses. They'd been crushed. Do you have them? Of course. I passed the Ziploc bag I was keeping them in over to Liz, and she eyed them inquisitively. Are you going to hang on to them or give them to Inspector Wesley? I'll give them the bug the next time I see her. I glanced around the deli and I saw the father of the boy who always plays hopscotch sitting at a table by the window. Miss McDonald was sitting at a table of ladies who seemed to be sharing gossip. An older man sat in the corner, nursing a cup of coffee. Just then, the front door opened. A middle-aged woman walked in with bags of groceries hanging from her arms. She walked up to the deli counter, squinting at the menu board. Oh, I seem to have forgotten my glasses. Do you have pastrami? We're a deli. Of course we have pastrami. Rye? Italian? You're getting Italian. You want mustard? Of course you want mustard. And a side of spicy eggplant. For here or to go? To go. And can I get a cup of warm milk? Warm milk? To go? Who orders warm milk to go? I had a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. Something was telling me to follow this woman. I told Liz I had to go, but I'd make it up to her. As the woman left, I put a tip on the table and followed. I hung back a few paces behind so I wouldn't be noticed. I ducked around a corner and saw her heading south on Duchess. She followed my route for a few minutes, then veered west onto Bell. She walked past the high school and turned north into a residential area. A couple of times, she put down her groceries to rest. I hung back out of sight. She continued on her way and headed into a semi-detached house with a balcony with a sign that said, Home is where the heart is. Gotcha, I said under my breath. I climbed the steps. I looked in the mailbox and took out a letter. Susan Bennett. I reached into my pocket for my pager and paged the address to Bug. I took a step back and I knocked on the door. Can I help you? 
Are you Susan Bennett? I'm from the Asheville Post Office, and I'm here about a missing parcel. Can I come in? Um, yes, of course. I entered into a small corridor lined with bookshelves. The house was unkept. I could see down the hall to the kitchen. There were dishes piled in the sink. Bags of groceries had been left on the floor in front of the fridge. A playpen sat in the corner of the living room. I told her that her parcel of children's toys had never left the delivery dock. I didn't order any children's toys. Our records show that you did. I think you must be mistaken. That's when I heard a baby cry from upstairs. Susan noticed that I'd heard it. She suddenly became very uncomfortable. Oh, my son must have woken up from his nap. I think there's been a mistake. I trust you can see yourself out. Susan hurried past me and fled up the stairs. I followed. Once up the stairs, I heard the baby's cry from down the hall. There, there. It's all right. Don't cry. Don't cry. I called out. Susan? I hurried down the hall. There was a large bedroom with a crib at one end. I could see the balcony door was open. Carefully, I crept to the doorway. Susan? I'm Jackson. I slowly walked onto the balcony and I saw that Susan was turned towards the railing. She slowly turned around and I saw the baby clutched in her arms. Red, curly hair. It was the stolen child. She turned back from the railing. Don't do it. Don't do it, Susan. I couldn't stop him from crying. He stopped crying now. Don't take my baby. Please don't take my baby. Why don't you both come with me? I can't. Just then, Bug appeared in the doorway. Miss Bennett, would you and your baby please come with me? We want your baby to be safe. Safe. Susan looked at us for a long time, holding the baby close, her eyes full of fear. Slowly, she moved towards Bug. Safe. Safe. I didn't mean to do it. I saw the helpless little baby in his car seat and panic took over. I wouldn't want that dear little baby to be harmed. Or worse. So I did what any mother would do. I saved him. I took him from the car and placed him over my shoulder, muffling its cry. I whispered, You're safe, little one. You're safe now. You're safe. And then I walked home. I didn't mean to do it. I just couldn't leave it there, helpless and defenseless. It wasn't alone, you say, but it was alone. Its mother had left it alone. Anything could have happened. I didn't mean to do it. What happened with my husband last year? With the accident? That was an entirely different situation. No, it was. It really was. He was driving too fast. He swerved to miss some debris on the road and he lost control. So quick. Like that. One moment you're thinking about what color to paint your nails. And the next... Like that. It's a shock. And the cries. Oh, the little cries, and then the horrible silence. Why did I think one baby could replace another? Well, that's a silly question. Don't psychoanalyze me. As I said, I was saving the baby. It was fate. I had the room set up. I had the crib, the dancing mobile, even a soft blue blanket. Oh, my son, you've come home. Home to where you'll be safe, because I'll never leave you. Not again. Never again. I didn't mean to do it. 
Jeez, that was heavy. Yeah, they were coming home from a family reunion. David, her husband, was driving. And Jordan, her infant son, was in the car seat beside him. And she, Susan, was in the back. And she was the only one to survive. Yeah. Heavy. We both sat looking down at the table. I was thinking about how life can change in an instant. Just then, Liz walked through the door, holding a bouquet of flowers. Hey, Tiger. Are you ready to finish our date? You've been listening to Episode 2 of the Jackson Nash Mysteries. The Mystery of the Blue Blanket. With the voices of J.P. Harvey as Jackson Nash, Rebecca House as Liz, Catherine Dahmer as Miss McDonald, Christine Leggett as Inspector Wesley, and Peter Paler as Inspector Gilden. With special guests, Janet Jarrell as the Hysterical Woman, Heather Christensen as the Deli Server, and Cody tran as Susan. Jerry Freyberg was your announcer, and the music was composed by Aidan Coots. I'm Beth Milligan. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for Episode 3, The Mystery of the Missing Water Tower.